Hi, you are listening to Celestial Vibes podcast, presented by Ashwin from India. Hi, this is the episode ten of Celestial Vibes podcast, and this is the first initiative of the forecast episodes based on the monthly seasons with uh, relation to suns entry into a particular sign. So this month we are going to do a series for. Uh, September 17th to October 16th where sun will be entering the sign of virgo and uh, today is a very uh, it's a very special day because i'm having four astrologers from entirely different backgrounds uh, coming to celestial vibes podcast and uh, i'm just hoping that this will happen for every month uh, in terms of the podcast forecast episode So we have Krasi Atasio, Manita Lanka, Lars Panaro, and Fernando Raul. Uh, Fernando is not new to the podcast, and Lars and I be- began with the first episode. So Lars is also not new, but Manita and Krasi are new to the podcast. So a uh, few words about Manita. Would you like to like tell about us? Like tell about your astrological background to us, and the listeners maybe interested to listen to your background. uh well uh, hello everyone uh, i am from um, uh, vedic astrology background first of all uh, i don't know anything about tropical first of all and uh, secondly you know it is it is just that that um, uh, it's been uh, like when i was 10 since then i am just having the inclination to know the uh, you know what is beyond uh what we are actually so from 10 or 11 of my age i started to get into this then i uh, took uh, the formal training um, quite late though but uh, the first prediction that i gave was when i was 22 so <laughs> that was the time when you know somebody who was an astrologer a renowned one and he told me that you can get into all this you know so that is when i started into uh, getting into this um, Uh, formally and uh, took training from dr kian rao under his training i uh, uh, did the acharya and uh, then um, from past uh, one one and a half years i am into uh, uh, you know making videos and imparting my knowledge whatever i have through my videos to the audience and uh, to the beginners or uh you can say the ones who are interested in this occult so this is uh, what i am um so i'm here uh, met ashwin a couple of months back and i am on his podcast <laughs> cool so krasi a few words i'm krasi tasium i'm doing babylonian astrology sagilio astrology recently i also discovered the vedic astrology with ashwin actually and i am making combination between babylonian and vedic and it works perfectly it works in perfect harmony so uh, and i study akkadian theology uh, in order to be able to translate um ancient akkadian babylonian texts in astrology so this is my passion right now and the astral magic so <laughs> this okay. is the other thing that i am very much uh, in love with yes Okay, astral magic—that's quite exciting, and maybe we should do a separate show on that. <laughs> oh, but, uh, 
Okay, welcome back, Lars. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, and welcome back, Fernando. It's just one week uh, before we did Planetary Dignities. Thank you for having me once again. Sure. <laughs> okay, and uh, so quickly we'll uh, move on to the forecast of this month. Um, I'm sure this September beginning and uh, until October 16th for what we are doing is quite a, a good month and also product productive month or an easy month in terms of what planets have to offer considering what we had for past 45 days or so with uh, about four traditional planets going retrograde except Venus and Castor uh, and uh, Mercury retrograde in the nodal axis, Mars retrograde in the nodal axis. I think we have spoke a lot about that in uh, VL Astrology. And uh, over, the co over the course of time, and we have also had so much of discussions on uh, Mars and Mercury retrograde stuff. And uh, Mercury and Mars are all direct at this point. And we also have Saturn going direct in about three days. We are recording this on 3rd September. IST uh, 22-30, around 22-20 or 22-30 hours. So Saturn is going retrograde in about three days and, uh, sorry, direct in about three days. And we also have uh, Venus. <laughs> Venus has already moved into Libra, so which is quite uh, welcoming and a charming face for Venus and also us. Razi. Yes, yes. We, we, Venus is already in Libra and uh, what do you make out of it from Babylonian point of view? Well, of course, it's very similar with, uh, we, this will be similar with the Western astrology and with the, from, with the Vedic point of view. Of okay. course, when Venus is entering Libra, she's on her own place. She's joining Jupiter and there, there is text which is saying when Venus and Jupiter are conjoined, um, especially uh, on a NATO chart or when it's happening on somebody's ascendant. It's a saying that the, the, the prayers of the native will be heard by the gods. So in any case, this is a very beautiful uh, conjunction. It will, this will denote uh, blessing, I'm sure, especially to people which would have um, Libra rising or Libra midheaven or sun Libra or moon Libra. Okay. So, uh, Fernando, falling back to our dignity, Venus is in a good dignity. But Venus is not in a <laughs> resort or a holiday, but Venus is at home with her own family members. <laughs> it depends who you ask, obviously, when it comes to dignity. But, uh, you know, Venus in uh, Tula Rashi in Libra has a pretty good dignity, especially in the first 15 degrees where she gets Mula Tricona. Yeah. Um, afterwards, she gets Wakshetra. So Venus in, in Libra is a very good place. And, you know, I call Venus the cornucopia of beauties because uh, she's pleasure, she's femininity, and she's always giving, always seducing in many ways. And in Libra, we have beginnings and ends. We have balance. And in certain manner, we also are reborn. And it is a perfect time to uh, visit uh, interpersonal uh, affairs, interpersonal interactions, be it romantic, platonic, or business-wise. And Venus in Libra is a very good uh, position. I've always liked it. 
Venus here is very proud. Uh, she is she is able to to do a lot here. <laughs> okay, and uh, as Transi pointed out, Venus is also getting into a conjunction with Jupiter slowly. Uh, even though it's not a very close degree-based conjunction, uh, it will be a. It's more like uh, uh, planetary energy is falling in the same sign, so there will be some kind of celestial impact, if not a conjunction impact. So, large Venus is making a perfect square with Mars on September 19th from Libra to Capricorn oh, wow. from sidereal point of view. Wow. Well, um, yeah, that's that's very interesting um, in the sense that it's a uh, it's going to be a waning square, which yeah. is uh, a very important concept that was um, kind of lost in astrology for a long time, the idea of waxing and waning aspects. So what that means is that Venus is in a, a square with Mars and Venus is um, basically in the 10th sign from Mars as opposed to being the fourth sign from Mars. And that, that means that Venus is making its way back to a conjunction from Mars after being opposite Mars uh, mm -hmm. some time ago. And so, you know, with a square, you have a lot of um, like passion, intensity, excitement, movement, rhythm, change. And so you can think about it being a potentially um, sexually volatile or explosive time um, just in general, if you think of that aspect. <clears throat> of course, out of context, we're taking all this out of context, but, you know, that, that can easily um, lead to a situation in which... Um, just passions in general intensify. That's not a, not, not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just, you know, it's just passion. It's just is what it is. Uh, it can be, um, you know, it can be a uh, passionate devotion to the divine, or it could be, you know, passionate devotion to making love or, you know, having, um, a, having a bunch of sex or something. It, it just doesn't, it, but it's just in and of itself. It's just passion. And it's just that intensity. And, I also wanted to say real quick too, it's it's really important that uh, we observe uh, Venus Venus's phase relative to the sun. Uh, right now, as we're making this video, I just checked and Venus is about 44, 45 degrees from the sun. And it's, it's occidental, which means that it is rising over the horizon after the sun. Venus is much more powerful when it's occidental. It's much more stable. It brings much better results uh, with regard to what it brings in a chart, in a prajna, whatever. And part of the reason for that is because Venus is actually going to be faster. Both Venus and Mercury are going to be faster when they're occidental from the sun. Whereas when they're oriental, they're a bit slower. And um, they sort of rush ahead of themselves. Like... Uh, I have a friend whose chart features uh, Venus Oriental in Taurus in the 10th house, okay? And, you know, if you're just doing dignity, you might think, oh, that's such a great, nice Venus. But actually, um, it's Oriental, okay? It's a day chart, so it doesn't have sect, and it has no digbala. It's completely bereft of directional strength in the 10th house. So this person, um, you know, there's some other things happening, like Rahu in the 7th, okay? But... A lot, when you when you analyze everything together, it becomes no surprise that this person was uh, married, I think, three times before they were 30, and all of the marriages were rather problematic and rather short-lived. 
You know? Wow. So, so yeah, so this occidental oriental <laughs> distinction is very important. And when Venus is occidental, she can really be herself in, in terms of like receptivity and um, emotion and love and just kind of, just kind of being um, more irrational in, in a good way though, more imaginative, more irrational, more visceral, you know, more felt, more passionate, uh, but in a way that is, is not rushing ahead of itself. You know, it's, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's like the, the pure, the pureness of Aphrodite, so to speak, uh, when, when she's really just doing her own thing, you know, not when she's running after, uh, Helen of Troy to try to make sure that she protects, you know, her, her investment there and, and causes an entire war. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a different side of Aphrodite. It's that, it's that side that's born out of the sea, you know, born on the shell, that famous painting. I forget who the, who the artist is, but, um, Botticelli, I think. Who is it? Bo Botticelli, I think. Botticelli. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, that sounds right. Cool. Anyway. So, yeah and uh, it is interesting that you mentioned about the oriental and the occidental aspect so the the point here is that venus is going retrograde manita yeah <laughs> i was about to say that only I, that don't miss that point <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah I, I think Lars made very significant uh, points in terms of bringing out the natural Venus tendency in relation to the aspects. So th the point here is that even though we don't have a very profound impact in terms of uh, transits without uh, taking the actual time lord or time lord, time lord technique into consideration, but still right. I think we might have some kind of uh, mental feeling at about five or 10 percentage, if not <laughs> too much. So I thought it's quite significant. So Venus retrograde, and I, I think we'll do a separate show on Venus retrograde on real astrology, not far from now, but still uh, a few thoughts on that, Vanita, because we, we see that Venus is quite, um, like quite flamboyant in terms of its uh, manifestations when compared to Taurus, because uh, this is, the Mulatrikona zone of Venus and Venus is far more flamboyant and uh, and also quite uh, telling in terms of uh, expressing the Venusian effects, uh, especially in Libra. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's, not, let's not forget it's also in Chitra Nakshatra. <laughs> Maybe uh, you might have yeah. some more points to say. Swati, Swati, Swati Nakshatra. Yeah, now it's, now it's in Swati now. But it's going into Chitra when it goes more toward Libra, right? It's like almost, almost there. Yeah, it will, once, once it is uh, in Libra, then uh, from the 10th of September to 30th of October, it will be in Swati. Yeah, it will be in Swati. So uh, by now it is in uh, Chitra, but uh, for mm. the time yeah. we'll be uh, forecasting, I think it will be in Swati, Rahu. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right now it is in Chitra. Yeah. Right yeah. now it's in Chitra, Sorry. yeah. Right now it's okay. Chitra. Yeah. No, I was talking about the retrogression period when it will be going into uh, retrograding in uh, Rahu Nakshatra. So that is the phase, you know, because it is, the, as we all know, it is the ruler of the second house. You know, it's time to rediscover the family values. That's the time to mm -hmm. look into 
as it is retrogression is in, uh, you know going to impact the internalizing so obviously it is not um, obviously we are going to do the video separately on that uh, elaborately but uh, now that we are pressing on this particular thing uh, venus so we must not forget that during that phase uh, when venus is retrograde it will be uh, uh, you know being the you know seventh lordship also so definitely it is going to impact the relationships as we all know the harmony the compassion the you know uh, money the love angles you know all those will be impacted and should be reviewed that's what uh, you know all the retrogradation phases i keep saying in all my videos that you know this is what we should be doing you know review review the aspects and see where your venus is placed if it is placed in the 6th house you should review your funds your uh, uh, you know your uh, uh, enemies your counterparts your you know investments your litigations that is the time where wherever venus whichever house your 11th house venus getting retrograde uh, suppose libra is in the 11th house so you can just uh, review your uh, uh, you know uh, friends uh, your uh, uh, your investments that is the time when you should be more cautious you know that is a tricky time because venus is very you know jumping around kinds i feel you know always that you know it's very uh, uh, you know it's a planet who needs a little bit of uh, taming i feel so and retrogression obviously you know is a phase when uh, you know people uh, they forget what they you know they are supposed to be on right track they are, they just lose the track that's what i have felt so uh, love harmony compassion i always you know want that this in retrogression should be stressed more so that's uh, and then in rahu nakshatra of course it is a movable uh, nakshatra as we all know it is a movable one so that is the time you know when even more of you know uh, reviewing is required that's what i feel you know at that time you know more uh, if you are you know maybe you feel that you know your uh, things are getting stuck when it's related to the electronics especially you know they this is something swati is uh, movable nakshatra and relates to lot uh, of uh, you know business uh, businesses uh, get affected then commerce then uh, you know um, it's a it's a nakshatra which you know it's uh, it's 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 uncorrupted nakshatra that's what i feel so one must be disciplined during this time we know as far as venetian uh, traits are concerned because i am stressing more on nakshatra because i do nakshatras um, whenever a planet is in that's how you know it gives a result you know and obviously which house uh, it is placed there are so many factors so that is um, one thing that we must review at that time yes okay krazi I'm always, you know, Ashwin, always interested in the, in the markets because Vanita opened this. Yeah. Um, of course, and, and Lars said as well about the square Venus Mars. And it was so, so many things we, we said about Mars, Ketu in Capricorn and how this broke the markets. And I wonder how Venus will help now the markets, even though she will be retrograde i think this will have um this is interesting now really to to see the points of view of all of us because i'm wondering really um how this will how this will influence the markets now this square even though venus is turning retrograde and there is this notion in the um, uh, babylonian astrology that there is no such thing as negative effects even if, when when the planet is benefic uh, venus or jupiter 
uh, even though retrograde, it, they still will be, uh, they will still be beneficial. So I'm thinking that even though Venus will be retrograde, this will have some temporary positive impact on the on the markets. And what is what are your opinions? This is very interesting. Okay, I think that's a very uh, that's something I am focusing on personally because uh, uh, finance is very close to me. So we saw that markets had a like up and down, back and forth uh, motion in terms of uh, like not just Indian market, but uh, overall the global stuff. We had Mars retrograde and Ketu in Capricorn, the natural 10th house, which signifies economy and economic relations with other countries as well. So uh, even today, the Indian markets crumbled, but uh, I, I failed to see uh, what the reason is really because I, I didn't have much time to follow as that is as of September 3rd, 2018. So now that we have Venus in its own uh, uh, like sign, own sign of Libra, uh, this will be a, a decent phase where the markets might just take off and recover a bit. I mean, recover in the sense uh, we saw the markets go down and up in a very erratic manner uh, during that particular 30 days where uh, eclipse was also there. So now it will be that kind of a phase where the markets will start stabilizing. So it is more of a recovery mode because Venus is uh, going to get into a perfect square with Mars and uh, that will actually, uh, I think, I'm not very sure, but I think that will signify a little bit of uh, hurry in terms of stabilizing, but uh, that is where the markets will also have a little bit of a, a reality check in terms of rising. So there will be, uh, if if there was one day uh, low and one day high uh, during the retrograde period, I think here it will be like three days stable and one day just here and there and one day uh, down. So it will be more of a, uh, more of an acceptable uh, period in terms of uh, long-term investor point of view because speculators make money on daily basis uh, irrespective of the irrespective of the fact that market falls or rises so that's a different story altogether yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I think we should take uh, the retrograde factor also here so a retro so during the retrograde phase of Venus Venus will again uh, come back in the sign of Libra and again will tend to go and make us square with Mars. So th that that might also have some kind of an impact. So that is like uh, uh, reviewing or reassessing those periods or revisiting those periods that market had done it uh, from September 19th to 17th to October 6th. So it will be like, so if, if the markets have grown for about two or two and a half percentage, it will be like revisiting the first one and a half percentage from uh, through a backward motion so that will be and uh, crazy uh, venus uh, venus will just be moving out of spica so what's your take on babylonian point of view like uh, i think you will have an interesting insight with the symbols yeah, well uh, the the nature of speaker is the conjunction of venus and mercury so when venus was in speaker i think this would give just more Venusian effect uh, would, incre would increase the Venusian um, nature of speaker. 
maybe this would be, and it was, I think, it, Venus was just in speaker, I think, just like days ago. Yeah. I think this would just, this would be very shortly, very briefly beneficial uh, for the markets. Uh, it cannot be more, cannot give more, because we had this eclipse, which was really very negative, for sure. And not only because it was the longest eclipse, but we know Mars took place. Um, so there were so many factors which can, which are overwhelming the beautiful power of otherwise of Venus, I think. Okay. So if, if Speaker really helped Venus in Speaker, this would be really a very temporary, short-lasting effect, I think. Okay. Okay, uh, let's move to the other thing. Sun, Fernando into Virgo. <laughs> Not Fernando into Virgo, but Sun into Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> On September the 17th. Well, uh, as you know, uh, I'm a big fan of transits when they're applied to uh, people. And I want to uh, add to all the descriptions that people said that uh, these transits that we're discussing are going to have a bigger impact on people whose dashas correspond to the transits that we're um, naming here more than the description we're giving in the mundane astrology point of view. I mean, if we're talking about Venus uh, entering into this good dignity, uh, then it's going to affect uh, more uh, people who are in uh, Venus, Mahadasha, Venus, uh, Antardasha, or Pradyantardasha, and so on and so forth. Uh, saying that, uh, uh, the sun in Virgo, well, you know, uh, the sun in Virgo has neutral dignity. Uh, it depends on where Mercury is. And in a way, here, uh, the sun uh, uh, is not in a good place and it's not in a bad place. It's just in a more or less uh, middle ground in terms of dignity. Uh, here, uh, the sun being our spirit in many ways uh, reaches uh, some sort of material achievement. It is uh, deeply rooted in the material world and at the same time wants to serve, wants to help people. And uh, at the same time, it also has a wish for purification, which is very uh, intrinsic to the Virgo energy. And in here, uh, sometimes uh, the sun in Virgo, uh, where I come from, uh, produces a lot of uh, uh, effects on the climate, on the weather. Storms in the tropics are very typical in this time of year during this transit of the sun. And uh, taking that into consideration, we need to see uh, the effects on the climate going on. You know, it's hurricane season in the tropics. Most of the hurricanes uh, which strike these parts of the world, being the Caribbean, the East Coast, and even Central America, uh, happen during this transit specifically when uh, the sun goes through the uh, Falgunis in terms of the nakshatras going on with what... Uh, Banita said before. So I think we should be looking at the climate in terms of this transit of the sun in Virgo. Okay. So uh, Mercury is also moving into Virgo. Uh, Lars, I think that is uh, one of the most profound areas for Mercury. And uh, as Fernando was pointing, Mercury will be in a resort holidaying Prince surrounded with princesses or princess <laughs> <laughs> in a beautiful garden or something like that. Sure. Uh, that's a nice way to think about it. Why not? Um, 
Yeah, the uh, the sun in Virgo um, and all that Mercury in Virgo. I mean, Virgo is just a very um, it's just a very powerful place for any sort of you know purification, self purification and self improvement and things like that. Often to often to an almost detrimental point. Exactly. Where yeah, where it's like oh, I'm not good enough, and you know. Uh, I have I have Virgo rising um, tropically, and uh, a friend of mine always makes fun of me and says, "Well, you'd make a very good Jesuit." <laughs> they were the they were the group of Christians that would like you know whip themselves and stuff, and um, kill and kill the Protestants. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Over <laughs> self critical. Virgo Virgo is a mutable sign, and and in, tropically speaking, the tropical zodiac is just it's all about the seasonal cycle, really, and it's all about the 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 dance between light and darkness uh, when you look at the, the way the days lengthen and shorten and so on. So Virgo and all the mutable signs are the transition between two seasons, for lack of a better word. And I think, you know, the seasons really begin in the mutable signs and they really reach a peak in the, the, you know, the four spokes of the yearly wheel. I think that's, we've been looking at it wrong for a while now. And, um, you know, the equinoxes and solstices are really kind of a, an apex. Um, at the, anyway, the point is, is like, you know, Virgo is a, it's a unstable, it's unstable and it's very transitional because it, it wants to do the best that it can, it wants to do the best that it can. And so when, especially when Mercury is there, Mercury is like this super powerful analytical intellect that can, that can I've seen I've just seen people with Mercury and Virgo like grab a whole bunch of information and just distill it to its essence like almost instantaneously. It's really cool. Um, like a good friend of mine has uh, Mercury in Virgo uh, with K two, so it's like super purification. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like super super <laughs> critical analysis. And I was complaining because we had we had built this little shrine in the forest and somebody had defaced it. Yeah. <laughs> and he just like instantly was like, yeah, but you have to understand that that person was like probably like a, a materialist. And like when they saw the shrine, it reminded them of like the ecstatic beauty and mystery and harmony of nature. And it like overcame them to such a degree that they felt like they were going to lose themselves in the mystery. And so like being afraid of that and being afraid of the death of their own ego, they had to like deface the shrine as a way to like regain control of nature and regain control of the situation. I was just like, holy shit, you know, that's, that's an awesome insight. And it like made me feel better instantly. Um, so that's kind of like the, the, what that mind is like. And it can, you know, again, it can be overly critical, um, you know, overly analytical and whatnot as well. Um, and another good example of it, before I move on, is uh, in, uh, again, tropically, um, the great sage uh, Sri Aurobindo has um, Mercury in Virgo, and um, you can really see it in his writing. He wrote voluminously, and his writing just, um, it just, you know, it just gets to the essence of stuff. It, it strips away a lot of the uh, more superfluous aspects of um, the religious texts that he might have been commenting on and it gets into like the deeper, deeper meaning. Um, a good example of that is his book, Secret of the Veda, where he really analyzes some of the Rig Vedic hymns and deities. And just, he just, he shows you how it's, 
when you strip everything away, it's this psycho spiritual process that these Vedic deities and myths are describing. And, um, you know, again, he just, it's like stripping the husk from the corn, which is a very Virgo image or separating the wheat from the chaff, you know, getting to that core of it. So super analytical, super, um, potentially super guilty as well. <laughs> I'm not good enough kind of thing. And just like a really strong desire to, um, to really just get to the core of things is yeah. kind of how we should think about it. So. And the, the most uh, like uh, very classical point of Mercury in Virgo is that, as you said, um, self-critical. So whatever sounded yeah. logical or rational to us yesterday might just be totally irrational today. And that might be based upon so many facts and figures that we have today, which, which are certainly an improved figure that what we had yesterday. So uh, you you also mentioned about someone having Ketu <laughs> as well. Yeah. So uh, during this transit, uh, there is a there is a phase where Mercury will be in trine to Ketu, which is in Capricorn. So uh, will that be a free flowing effect of uh, uh, like doing the self critical analysis and uh, being purified, or uh, is is there something that you see during this period? Well, it could easily be, uh, you know, again, speaking very generally, and, and this would come yeah. through, of course, more in Prajna charts, or if the person is running, you know, the Mahadasha or Bukti or whatever, of the relevant planets, but it's like, I could, I could easily see it as somebody negatively, somebody's people slipping into kind of like a black hole of self deprecation, because the trine is just an ease thing. It's not necessarily like good or bad, you know, it's just an ease thing. So it could be like this really um, kind of pernicious uh, gnawing of something in the unconscious, like obsessing over it to the point where you're, you're just not even aware of it. You're just obsessing over, you're like cooking and doing things around the house, you, but, but the whole time you're just obsessing over this, like this imperfection that you perceive or this sense of um, depletion or, or just restlessness, which is like all these like K2 kind of things, um, a sense of something not being complete or whatever. Um, po positively, uh, you know, it could manifest as people really, you know, collaborating and working together uh, in a way that sort of precipitates a greater awareness or even harmony perhaps, but more of an awareness of like what's wrong with our world or what's wrong with our daily lives or things like that. So it really is just going to, you know, it's really just going to depend on the context, of course, but I, I sort of get those two things from it, those okay. two extremes. Okay. And uh, Vanita, to your zone, like Mercury will be falling in Uttra Balguni, Hasta and uh, uh, Chitra. So... Uh, and there, there, yes. is, there is also the Pushkarnavamsa zone. Yeah, yeah, whatever you may have to talk about. Mercury in these nakshatras, I think that will be uh, very good. See, uh, Mercury is going to be in um, in Virgo in from 18th. It will be in uh, Uttar Falguni till the 24th. From 24th to 2nd of October, it will be in Hasta. And uh, second to the sixth of October, it will be in Chitra. Okay, Hasta is where and, I think Mercury will be <laughs> dancing with uh, 
princess yes 24 to second so it will be like with the king obviously the prince will be with the king for uh, because uh, in hasta 27 to 10th uh, sun is going to be there from the 27th till the 10th of uh, october so that's the time when they'll be co-joining there so and uh, you know what uh, hasta exactly is hasta is a nakshatra where you know like we uh, get to you know the skill um, the people who have the skill that will get more uh, enhanced that that will get more pra- they'll be more practical towards wealth and uh, depending of of course on the placement of sun and mercury where they are going to be so uh, if it is going to be um, in the you know suppose it's in the 7th house it is taking place so you know in the public life in the you know in the in the uh, as you said uh, you're mentioning about the markets and the stocks and everything so that is the time when you know they'll be more skillful and they'll be more meticulous and more calculative while investing there and uh, that is the time i think the market will pick up i feel that is the time when market will also pick up and it will impact in a positive manner yeah, uh, during the hasta nakshatra yeah that's that's cool i think that that is where the stocks related to the bank stocks like mercury in a good dignity yes. will will good get dignity, bank yeah. stocks going and the other thing is uh when moon moon the star lord of uh, mercury that is for the 6 or 7 days when mercury is in hasta uh i think the stocks related to agriculture and cosmetics as well will uh take a good yeah. shape yeah i i feel foreign income will also increase uh, as far as mundane astrology is concerned so uh, when uh, you know whenever mercury is in its own sign uh, the country gets the benefit the foreign income uh, inflow is even more you know because uh, we have to see how the economy also improves you know so that is when we can look into um better prospects you know uh, when mercury is there because you know people like forecasts so we can just uh, give them this that you know that this is the time go ahead wait for that uh, particular slot i feel 24 to second is going to be really a good phase i feel okay uh, industry wise and all that you know that's going to get better then in chitra i think in chitra it will be like more of a because it is going to be a short phase from second to the sixth it will be going there so that is again you know not a uh, friendly nakshatra uh, for uh, uh, mercury you know because it is mars and mars and mercury are not uh, they are better enemies so that's the time you know when business will be on the lean i feel that is the time when you know like uh, obviously uh, it's better that you know you lie low don't invest during that time that's not the right time to invest basically and um, uh what what else like uh, i think it will it will be good for uh, uh sorry Oh, sorry, I, I'm not sure if you uh, um, just um, because you said that you are not sure. But the, the thing is that during yeah. this period, Mercury will be invisible. This worries me a little bit because when he's invisible, how much he can, how far he can go, how much he can influence. That's the thing. Because now combust, huh? You it will be combust. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to uh, ask you, Krasi. I think it will be an invaluable information that you are going to give from Babylonian point of view. we are talking of dignities but uh, mercury is going combust 
uh, for for almost half of it stay in Virgo, and uh, I think that is considered invisible in terms of Babylonian astrology. So, how do you okay. uh, do? You think the do you think the uh, Mercury dignity is still maintained because we uh, again, uh, as Lars said, uh, combustion is also another state of purification, and uh, Agni is there, and any any object that goes in contact with Agni is uh, said to be in uh, purification. So, how do you make it from Babylonian point of view if the planet is invisible? Well, then it's like she's then like invisible. The planet is invisible. The the, influ <laughs> the influences will be it will be felt less. His influence will be decreased tremendously. You will not like Vanita said through this Mahada, through this nakshatras. He will do his work, and then you mentioned the nakshatra, which is not that positive. And during this time, he will be invisible. So he won't have any impact on the market, I think, during this period. Mm. Now he's visible in, uh, in Leo, and in about two days, he's uh, becoming invisible, he's becoming combust. And now he's already, he's very powerful. Um, and the other thing is that he's, if, you, if we see the, if we calculate the precession, he has also some dignity also in Leo. So it's interesting how now what he's doing now yeah. before becoming Combus. Okay. Well, yeah, I unfortunately, think yeah, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> unfortunately during the combustion, it's also a good time for crooks to do insider trading. Yeah. Their, their actions will be hid hidden. So the exchange of hidden information behind the scenes, behind closed doors things like that yeah yeah that's there but see uh, th there are people who who make money irrespective of the fall or rise of the market as, as i said so in insider trading maybe uh, i think it's a very good example that you give so yeah. Uh, uh, yeah fernando in your own uh, poetic sense how does mercury <laughs> fare in uh, virgo uh, being exalted and also uh, combust well, it, it, the combustion depends because if it's Kasimi, it can be a very good time to do very good insider trading, <laughs> as Lars mentioned. So always combustion has to be analyzed in terms of, of degrees and in terms of where it is. Yeah. But obviously, uh, Mercury uh, in Virgo is very powerful, uh, not only in terms of... Uh, how it is in dignity, uh, as, as Lars mentioned, it, when you have a Mercury there, uh, the intellect is uh, analytical and it's very, it, it's like putting uh, uh, a nitro to your car. The motor goes very, 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 very fast, very, very strongly. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be like out of control. Uh, Mercury in Virgo is, is very reserved with its ability and it depends also in the motion it is in if it's satvic he's going to be like a genius and he's going to be so effortlessly if it's direct then it's it's going to be a, a little bit more noticeable by other people and if it's retrograde then you're going to probably get a little bit of uh situations where interpersonal interactions become uh some sort of, of issue in terms of uh, well, that, that has to do with other things, with ego or things, but it can be misinterpreted by other people. But Mercury in Virgo is very, very powerful, without a doubt, especially in the first 15 degrees. If we go tropically, uh, two, 
uh, I follow tropical uh, 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 transits. So uh, in sidereal transit, it's going to be the same in terms of interpretation. So uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a good time. And the other thing in combination to Venus, as I was doing my preparation for this video, it's a very good time for interpersonal affairs. Uh, it's a very good time to, to, to have uh, uh, romantic, I mean, both radiastic planets are going to be in Libra. It's a time to, to search for partners if you are into that. If you Fernando want to and that. to make podcasts and videos also. It's a very good period. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I mean, what are we doing right now? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, Jupiter is going to go to Scorpio, which, you know, uh, uh, has, you know, Jupiter and Scorpio, which are, we're going to mention here, combined with all these planets we've said before, you know, there's an emphasis in, in a lot of, uh, interpersonal interactions because we have the sixth, the seventh, and the eighth all going there, which are, in my opinion, the main the main rashis, the main places where where the interaction of the ascendant goes to other people, and you know uh, it, it's a good time to to retake, especially when Venus is retrograde, to to visit uh, old relationships. Maybe old relationships come to us. <laughs> which is sometimes uh, not that good of an idea. <laughs> and I mean, Mercury is there so we can have uh, uh, interaction with other people. And Jupiter and Scorpio, well, you, you, you have faith in, in, in secret energies. You uh, have uh, a philosophical approach towards sexual relationships also with the Libra energy combining there. So uh, in my opinion, there's a lot of potential for people who want to uh, reach out to other people to do things, to engage in romantic or platonic relationships, and so on and so forth. Okay. So, um, we, uh, I think that was a really good insight. And we'll move back, to, we'll fall back to Jupiter in Scorpio in a bit. But before that, I think, Lars, we have Sun square Saturn and uh, Mercury square Saturn. I think that's a very crucial. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> Let's never forget the uh, impact that planets uh, tend to make when they are in connection with Saturn, be it square, trine, or conjunction, or opposition, whatever. Yeah. So um, let's, yeah, Sun square Saturn. Sure, yeah. Uh, and this is a good time for me to come back to the uh, waxing and waning aspects thing again, because I realized I didn't quite complete that thought. <laughs> um, so again, like this is, uh, you know, this is about the cycle between any two planets. And so the sun is going to be in a waning square with Saturn, meaning it's squaring Saturn from the 10th sign from Saturn. Okay. And that, um, the, the waxing half of a cycle is always about growth and building things up. Whereas the waning half is always about releasing, letting things go and preparing for the beginning of the next phase. So the waning square is a crisis in consciousness. Whereas the waxing square is a crisis in becoming, I guess you could say, in doing things. The waning square is more mental. The waning period is more mental. It's more objective, more um, reflective. So, um, and the other thing that's important too is that the anytime you have a, a planet in the tenth, or or a, or the, you have a planet at, in aspect, uh, but it's in the earlier sign or whatever, right? Like the sun is here in the tenth. It's almost like the sun is the one that calls more of the shots. You know, the planet in the 10th calls more of the shots because the 10th is the karma place. You know, it's the, 
it's what you have to do or because of what you've done and so on and so forth, the whole cycle of karma. And so, you know, the, the sun, sun, this sun square Saturn is, um, you know, we can think of it generically as like, as just like in, it's just, it's a, it's a major, in a sense, it's like a major identity crisis. It's a major identity crisis because it's like, it is about confronting limitations but from the sun phase of feeling like, okay, actually all of these limitations and definitions that I've put on myself um, aren't working or, you know, maybe some of them are, but let's say this is a crisis. So uh, they aren't working. So what am I going to do about it? You know, that's kind of the, the psychological vibe of a square like that. And, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, for the, for those listening who, um, who have it, you can look in like, um, Firmicus Maternus's, uh, text, uh, Hellenistic astrology text and read about the difference between sun square Saturn when sun is in the 10th versus Saturn squared sun when Saturn's in the 10th. They're very, very different. And what you'll find is that the, it's a, it's less difficult when the sun is in the 10th, you know, that's something like the father of the native will lose his fortune but over time he'll gain it back steadily or something like that, or the native will lose his fortune, something like that. You know, it's, so, so it's, it gives this picture of, of obstacles confronting the person, limitations, all with the goal of focus, because Saturn is about focus, it's about getting back to our roots, what we really are. You know, it, it rules not only the root chakra, but it, it's the bones, right? The bones is the foundation. So it rules foundation. So it's squeezing us to get, us back to the foundations and when we look at this relationship sun in the 10th it's it's again it's this image of really um encountering these obstacles these focalizations but being able to overcome them on some level because of our willpower or our tenacity of spirit or our vision or purpose and that kind of a thing so it's really a struggle between what am i here to do and what do i have to do which is saturn right? What do I have to do? Because that's just the way things are. You know, you got to get your oil in your car changed. From time <laughs> to time. You just got to do it. You know? Yeah. It's, it's inadequacy also. It's inadequacy. And uh, mm-hmm. it is, it is like obstacle period. You know, it's, it's, it's full of obstacles. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. Vanita, we have uh, certain aspecting sun, the 10th aspect from Vedic point of view. Yes, uh, that is what it is like. Uh, Saturn is uh, contracting, right? It it contracts everything. Yes. And uh, uh, Saturn, obviously, it's an unlucky placement. Uh, as per Vedic, uh, they are bitter enemies. They are father and son, yet they are bitter enemies. So it will definitely hinder the growth because you see, it, uh, Saturn uh, in retrogression is when uh, you know uh, it is uh, uh, far from Sun and it is coming back to Sun now when it is getting direct isn't it? Yeah. So when it is getting direct, it is obviously going to give setbacks, setbacks to heart because um, sun is heart. Yeah. And uh, right. uh, it is, it is going to give, um, uh, the ego is going to get uh, impacted in a negative manner of people. You know, uh, if, if somebody says something, you know, so it will be like more of a, uh, it will be more of a negative uh, self-consciousness and, you know, like self uh, challenging in fact, for the person, uh, people who are, um, you know, on the, in general, obviously it is, it is like, you know, they don't want to face 
bricks in the wall you know they don't want many bricks yeah i, I yeah. it's not yeah yeah go on yes oh yeah no the, oh go ahead yeah yeah new estate this will be influenced new estate and gold market yeah uh, gold market uh, i think we'll uh, yeah classic go on please well i think this will have negative even though lars is absolutely right that when the sun is more powerful than saturn this is the better option still i think uh, the, the real estate prices will be having some crisis the same will be valid for for the gold markets and what from the Vedic point of view uh, i think that remains to be seen because i haven't looked from that point of view and i take uh, mars for real estate stuff because from vedic point of view mars rules lands so and we take a moon for building and mars for land so mars with ketu is not a, a very productive period in terms of getting into real estate dealings but uh, i think uh, as see th this is where the beauty of uh, uh, like integrating two systems work very well like when lars said that uh, from the the waning point of view uh, uh, like the sun saturn cycle sun falls in 10th and it's almost going to reach uh, saturn and form a conjunction in about uh, 60 or 70 days or so so the the most important thing that i would like to point out here is even though saturn aspects sun and it causes hindrances and contracts as the basic nature of saturn is to contract things as uh, vanita rightly pointed out uh, i don't think it is a uh, it is an indication of denying so i think it is just a, a delaying stuff like what we talked uh, about the retrograde phases it is about reassessment and virgo is more of uh, like reviewing our own uh, like self like logic and rationalism with sun over there i think it is with saturn's aspect and the perfect square i think this is another uh, phase of review and reassessment uh, and i i also think it is a conscious break or uh, slow down in our pace of our daily things so and krasi uh, i think we have um, mercury square saturn as well So we will, uh, we have Mercury moving to Libra on October 6th. Hmm. So Mercury into Libra, I think it's a major ener energy shift like uh, uh, for Mercury from its own exaltation, it is going to move into Libra and uh, come into a conjunction with, with the best friend venus i think mercury and venus are really best friends <laughs> when it comes to can, uh, can i say I, something on this sure, mercury sure. getting into libra yeah sure i was actually coming you to know you. it <laughs> mercury you know will be in uh, libra uh, uh, you know obviously you just said that it is going to be a friendly sign so definitely a balanced mind can be expected during that time uh, especially you know in the communication with the relationships the relationships and uh, you know the fussiness will uh, be subdued a little you know when uh, yeah. mercury is you know mercury is a good uh, mediator you know basically it's a good uh, negotiator 
so whenever mercury is in libra it balances the effect so in yeah. in obviously it is it is something you know that i feel that it is um the speech the communication becomes more you become more vocal and it's in its own zone you know in the friendly zone so obviously uh, it uh, you know as venus soothes beautifies so the speech becomes beautiful i feel when uh, mercury goes into its uh, you know yeah uh, sure and, you know when the nervous system the arms the shoulders the you know the hand jobs you know you will be using more at that time Uh, the basics you know i i i stick to the basics so as per the basic in a simplified manner mercury is this going into a sign of this so what will it be you know the the yeah. recipe would be that you know so that, that's, that's what, when yeah. yeah that's when the after after studying intensely right that's when the professor uh, has a drink and maybe uh, makes love mm. to his wife finally or you know uh, that's or or go the, south with a student that's when you know, that's when the or go south with the yeah. student yeah or that's when the that's when the you know the sanyasi is uh, after performing you know in the intense tapasya um you know just dwells in the space of shamata and is just mm-hmm. like okay i did all this stuff and now i don't need to do it anymore because it just is you know so yeah it's it's a really beautiful um idea that you bring up with that that contrast that it just sort of mellows things out for mercury i think it is also a very productive period for script writers because mercury and venus brings scripts good stories so you it's good time for you uh, ashwin <laughs> i don't know okay maybe but uh, the, the the thing here is that uh, they are very good storytellers when mercury and venus are conjunct uh, whenever you want to narrate something to a uh, like a top shot producer or an actor or something like that i think this is the best time to go out and narrate the story or story. the one liner yeah one-liner. yeah i think that is a uh, that is a very good phase but uh, last before that uh, i just wanted to have a few thoughts a few thoughts on mercury square saturn i think this is also a waning yeah. square and uh, with uh, back to Yeah, it's a waning square, true. Yeah. So Yeah, so again it's that waning square and and yeah, it's true that from a a Vedic perspective, Saturn, you know, is always casting a full aspect on the 10th. That's that is important. I always take that into account. And that actually corresponds to a, a Hellenistic idea as well that I I don't want to get into because it's very it's very I don't know, it's just very detailed kind of thing, but but it it fits with the logic of Hellenistic as well, especially when the when the planets are in um exact aspect you know that's when that's when saturn is really going to cast his full influence upon that planet in the 10th of course and so in any case uh, with with mercury there that is um that is a potential for uh really unfortunately really really bad communication skills is what i've observed it's just like what what are you what are you talking about and then there's like an argument it's like oh wait we're actually saying the same thing but like you were just refusing to like you know see the context it's like the, the, the these people will just like define words like this is how i define the word and if you don't get that then i don't care like this is how it is you know and they're just like beating you over the head with a 2x4 is like 2x4 of saturn and um 
And it's also a situation in which the mind, because Mercury is the, Mercury is, is like the higher, the higher mind, so to speak. It's, it's the, you know, the, the more, uh, you know, it's like the buddhi or, um, you know, the logica psyche, uh, these kinds of things. So it, it's more, in a sense, it's more intuitive, but it's like, it's divorced, you know, it's divorced from things and it's, it is logical, but it's really just the power of thought itself, a self-directed thought. And then Saturn is really having to do more properly with logic and reason. And when we go into the human psyche, Saturn is this cold, divorced sense of just surveying everything and just, again, looking at that foundation, looking at what what is the foundation, right? A plus B equals C. There's no room for argument here. So it can be a, this mentality that's kind of hard and harsh and just unyieldingly rigid in terms of what it perceives as logical, even if its logic is self-contained and, and not founded on logic, ironically, because you, you, you know, you can justify anything with logic, right? That's how the, that's how the Holocaust happened, right? Is they're, they're justifying something that's completely illogical from a more spiritual human perspective with logic, right? So even if the, even if the logic isn't, even if it's not built on real logic, right? It's, so logical that it's unyielding and rigid and it just won't break. It won't cave. So I, I think that's, um, that's a big part of this. And, you know, Mercury is kind of calling the shots being in the superior position. So that's the place where, again, you have that analytical mind that wants to really just think everything out and solve all its problems through thinking rather than through faith like Jupiter or rather than through, um, love and compassion like Venus, right? It just wants to think everything out and say like, well, this is where everything fits, right? So, so yeah, you have this marriage of, of reason and, um, and thought, and it's just very, it could be very unyielding. Okay, brilliant. So, Krasi, Jupiter is in Scorpio, and that is probably the biggest shift that is happening uh, on October 11th uh, for a year, yeah. Fernando already touched upon uh, Jupiter and Scorpio. So, uh, what are your thoughts? And I, I think we'll also be doing a, a spe specific video for Jupiter in uh, any of the channels. But, like, yeah, your thoughts on Jupiter and Scorpio? Oh, certainly. This is not a this is not a good place for for Jupiter, of course. Uh, first, because you know this is also the logic of course of the. Um, Hellenistic astrology, uh, Scorpio is a um, um, night, nocturnal sign, Jupiter is diurnal planet, it doesn't, absolutely doesn't feel fine in Scorpio. Of course, um, when Jupiter meets, it will be uh, later, of course, with the time, but when Jupiter meets the 15 degree in Antares, this will be very interesting, this will mm. produce very interesting events, because Antares is having the nature of conjunction of Jupiter and Mars. So this will be very interesting because, uh, and we can see uh, on mundane um, um, events, but um, Jupiter will then, um, there will be a mixture of, 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 um, of energies like uh, the, Mar the Martian Jupiter um, energy of, of uh, Antares conjoined with Jupiter. This will be very interesting. And I don't think, um, that in general Jupiter will be productive and I don't think will be benefic. Will be, I don't think it will bring 
his potentials and blessings in in any case um, being in Scorpio. I don't see it as a good thing at all. Okay. Uh, uh, Ashwin, Ashwin, I want to add one thing. Uh, you know, um, Jupiter and Sun and Mercury will be, not Mercury, but Sun and Jupiter will be aspecting the uh, 12th sign, uh, Pisces. They'll be aspecting together. And Rahu as well, the North Node. These three will be aspecting. Okay, that's, the, that's interesting. That's, yeah. yeah, that's something that, you know, it's going to happen. And that is the, you know, like 12th sign we know is, uh, uh, you know, is the watery sign. And, you know, it is, it is uh, going to uh, make a lot of um, energy shift at that time. Um, as far as, you know, the religious beliefs are concerned, you know, people might have some rigid, uh, you know, uh, religious beliefs and they, they can... Uh, uh, going for higher learning because Sun and Jupiter both are aspecting. So Jupiter is obviously aspecting its own house. So obviously in the material world, yes, um, people will be like little lesser towards uh, materialistic world. They'll be more towards um, higher learning. They, they will be more towards uh, religion, um, uh, getting... Uh, uh, connected to the foreign lands more and getting income from there, spiritually growing. That's what I feel. And maybe, you know, some people can get uh, uh, into addictions, maybe that time. That is... Um, Makes sense. Yeah, well, it, it is... Um, it is any, difficult. Any intake, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Jupiter and Scorpio, if we relate that to the eighth house, Scorpio eighth house, you know, it's difficult... It can be difficult to have Jupiter in one of the moksha houses, you know, because especially in the eighth, which is, you know, considered as the twelfth from the ninth, it's really considered the the house of a, a dharma, you know, and it, it has a very like mula nakshatra vibe to it, even though of course it, mula is not there in Scorpio, um, per se, but it's you know it's it's got this similar vibe, and so while Jupiter in the eighth or Scorpio can have this like intensely spiritual vibe to it, especially cause it's casting a full aspect to both its own house and its own exaltation. Right. It also, it can be a very, it can be a very tragic position as well. It's sort of like the, the, the tragic mystic or the, the, the set, you know, it's like a very fine line between the mystic and, um, like the black magician, you know, it kind of, yeah. it kind of reminds me of like Aleister Crowley, even though I don't think he had Jupiter Scorpio, but he's very, you know, it's like he, he had this potential to be this wonderfully great mystic. But if you really look at his life, he sort of fell into this, this dark magic uh, practice, which and black magic is just anything that feeds the ego. That's the all. Passionate wizard. Exactly. The passionate wizard. Yeah. And so, so, so like Mer, Jupiter in Scorpio is like a person who doesn't feel like in touch with their Dharma in a sense. They feel they, they could feel a lot of resentment for like Dharmic activity and doing the right thing from a social standpoint and they feel like an outcast. And so they might, hopefully they will seek spiritually in that sort of darkness and whatnot. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, 
Fernando. It seems like you have something to say. Yes, you just combined the Jupiterian energies with the Scorpio energies. And I think I know where you're going. And it's basically having this faith on sex, on energy, on, on magic. It's having this passionate uh, wisdom that, uh, co uh, that transforms into passionate magic. And in a way, there is intense growth in these areas. But it's the eighth. It's Scorpio. It's a cave filled with water and snakes. And I mean, it, it feels cool inside, but I mean, you're not with other people. You're not interacting with uh, the society that uh, is part of you. And you get this perceptive richness from this uh, knowledge, from this wisdom, which is what Jupiter is. You know, I, I call Jupiter the expansive realm of, of wisdom. And, and there's always expansion. There is always wisdom. But in Scorpio, you know, you're in the eighth. And, and it's like I'm betting uh, on a horse that it's not necessarily going to win. It's a good horse, but it's not necessarily going to win. And I mean, from the Vedic perspective, yeah. Jupiter in Scorpio is not that bad in terms of dignity. Right. Uh, it depends on where Mars is. And actually, it, when you read Parashara uh, Horashastra, Uh, after the chapter on Arishtas, where he gives the uh, recommendations for, um, you know, antidotes. Uh, one of the antidotes that I've seen that is very good is when you get a Mars-Jupiter uh, opposition or conjunction or association. And I mean, you can extrapolate this to Jupiter in, in Aries, Jupiter in, in Scorpio in a way, and at the same time, uh, Mars in, in uh, Danus or Mina or um, Sagittarius or Pisces. And you can get that. I mean, in a way, the positive side of Jupiter in Scorpio is that you get this knowledge. You understand the occult. You have faith in it. And in a way, you have to control it. When you have planets in... I, I have three planets in Scorpio. So, you know, uh, uh, you have to control it, you know. And, and, and it, it, you got to be aware of the seduction. You got to be aware of the energies because Scorpio is awakening. You die in Libra. Mm -hmm. And in Scorpio, you awaken to a new world where it extrapolates later on in Sagittarius. But in, in Scorpio, you awaken and that faith, when Jupiter is there, awakens. So there's some sort of excitement, the neophyte excitement that goes on here. And at the same time, you're focusing on the unknown, which is Scorpio also. So you have expansive growth, you awaken faith, and in the end, you are managing energies, which is what... Scorpio is in one seven relation in Taurus, you manage resources. In Scorpio, you manage energies. And that's how you can associate the one seven correlation between the science and all that. But here, I mean, it, it's, it's a weird case because I don't think it's that bad personally. Well, there's I no think, good or bad. I, I don't think. Oh, no, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You got to just But, eliminate that from our. It depends on the tools <laughs> one has and the perspective one yeah. has. But socially, it can become a little bit cumbersome when you are in interpersonal relationships as all planets in the eighth or Scorpio do. Yeah. Be because it's the hidden, it's the unknown. And in a way, we're part of a collective. And I mean that from an uh, interpersonal point of view, of course. And Yeah, and Scorpio is very, it's like two great keywords for it are passionate and obsessive. Oh, definitely. So Scorpio is like, this is mine. 
you know, fuck you. And <laughs> don't touch it. It's mine. Like, just don't go near it. It is mine. So, you know, that's an intense, like Jupiter and Scorpio could make for an intensely personal kind of spirituality where it's like, no, 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 no. Don't tell me what to do. This is mine. Like, this is my thing. You know, this is how I do it. This, whatever, you know. <laughs> and that can become a, a great teacher in the end because at the same it time, can, there's no yeah. good or bad. At the same time, you know, they're only teachings. Right. Well, it's and like, Sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, you just excited me there. So I, I was just thinking about how Jaimini, when he talks about the 12th from Swamsha, you know, as the house of, you know, uh, showing. Would you Ishta. indicate if you go to heaven or you go to hell? Yeah, and Ishta Devata and that kind of thing. He's, he's, he says that, you know, even though he gives a deity for each planet, including the malefics, you know, he, he also says that when the malefics are involved or aspecting, it makes things uh, more challenging. Difficult. Right? So Scorpio, Jupiter, that's a spirituality that is potentially more challenging. But oh, that definitely. doesn't mean it is lesser. It's just more tamasic. You know, it's just more um, like I was reading some Ramakrishna today and it's like, it's so funny because he'll, he'll always talk about a lot. He'll be like, you know, just scream and yell at God to reveal himself to you, you know, cry for the divine mother and tell him, tell him or her, you're going to, you know, you're going to slit your throat if they don't reveal themselves. And he talks about that. That's the tamasic path of devotion. That's the tamasic path of, of spirituality, you know? So. And, and another keyword of, of, of Scorpio is intensity. And, and I mean, you're in, and Jupiter is growth. So there's an intense growth, but where is it going? It's going to all these eight house energies that, you know, can be a little difficult for other people to handle, uh, especially people who don't have eight house <laughs> yeah. positions or, or Scorpio positions or water positions for that matter. And, and, and it goes, it's, it's like you're growing inside a cave. It's like uh, this, this green algae growing all over the cave. I mean, there's an ecosystem going on, but it's a weird ecosystem. Or you think about the fishes at the bottom of the ocean they're weird, but they're alive. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and, you <laughs> know, the, at the bottom, bottom, I mean, like, like two miles down, you know, like with the lights and they're electric in some sort of way. Yeah. I don't know the correct biological term, but like uh, the angler fish comes to mind. That yeah. really weird fish and, with the giant teeth and the light. Exactly. The head. Yeah. And, and that's where the difficulty <laughs> comes in because people are afraid of those fishes. And yeah. that's what, what I think of, of Jupiter in Scorpio, like you said, Alistair Crowley, you yeah. read his books and you say, wow, this guy was crazy, but he has some things that go, are going on. And then you read his life. And oh, yeah. <laughs> you read right. his Brilliant biographies. And, yeah. and I mean, the guy was, well, he was rich to start off. And he had a, a, yeah. a strong religious upbringing. And, yeah. but, but, you know, you, you read the things he did in Sicily, for example. You know, like, it, it, it's just, you know. It goes on and on and on. It yeah. goes on and on. And normal people are not going to read that. Uh, but he was a very smart man and he knew the scriptures. He knew uh, a lot of things that most people don't. And there's the teacher in Scorpio in many ways, as you mentioned. But yeah, we're digressing, going to the, to the main Yeah, topic. yeah. I, I just wanted to say one thing. In short, Jupiter in Scorpio will enhance the religious, philosophical teachings, search oh. for truth, search for inquiries investigation secretive clever crafty critical all this will come up no, you, when, sorry. <laughs> so whatever whatever said and done people who ha are into medicine
people who are into engineering, people who are doing research, physical sciences, or etc., 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 those kind of fields, I think they're going to do really well during this time. Sure. So just keeping aside the negatives, I think there are many, many positives which are going to take place because it's a friendly sign. Jupiter is going from Libra, a negative sign, to uh, his own zone. So I think it is going to expand lots and lots of, obviously in the natal it should not be afflicted, uh, that I'm not touching. But yes, it is definitely overall in the mundane level, I think it is going to be an expansive, uh, uh, it will be an expansive uh, growth overall. If people are thinking of uh, getting into, you know, the if their inheritance, uh, inheritance is uh, stuck or their, you know, litigation is stuck, if they have some chronic diseases, I think this is the right time when they can be, you know, out of all this. This is what I can, uh, you know, the gist of whatever the, you know, uh, Scorpio uh, Jupiter is going to sure. bring to everyone. And, and sorry, I have to interject one more time this is how yes. you know astrology really works is that i just looked it up i just looked it up and alistair crowley has jupiter mercury conjunct in scorpio tropically and i Look didn't even that. know that it was just an idea in my head like it, it kind of reminds me of that <laughs> there you go yes. so look at that yeah. makes sense yes. okay no, okay now it's going to conjunct soon uh it's going to be for three months together like uh, mercury will be getting retrograde uh, along with jupiter uh, in Scorpio. So it's going to be a long stay of Mercury and Jupiter in Scorpio. So you can wow. imagine what kind of energy is going to take place at that time. A bomb okay. is going to Black explode. magic. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I'd, I'd like to sum up with uh, Jupiter in Scorpio. It's like not very long, but still um, we have heard very enlightening <laughs> speeches from Grazi, uh, Vanita, Fernando, and Lars. So, um, in relation to, like, with respect to what Grazi said about uh, a diurnal planet and an octonal sign from Hellenistic point of view, I think I would like to put my Vedic point of view. Like, uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm being uh, like biased or something like that. I'm, I'm quite fond of fond of dark houses like 6, 8 and 12 and 8 is my most favorite house and Scorpio is probably my most favorite house of all. So uh, I think <laughs> Jupiter uh, being, being the planet of expansion and uh, Jupiter being the planet of expansion and uh, staying in the water sign and that, uh, that to a dark sign, I think it is important to understand the real fact that we are in a water sign and we are in dark, it is better to learn swimming in dark and then go inside and explore much more instead of staying on the top and saying that it is just dark and I don't know how to swim. So that's how it goes. So it is, uh, I think it's interesting. So it's like going to uh, Amazon basin and uh, like just frightened of uh, getting eaten by anacondas or something uh, rather than exploring the beauty of what Amazon Basin has to offer in terms of nature and uh, other uh, other like forest related stuff. So uh, and I think Jupiter in Scorpio also awakens the deeper spirit, the inner consciousness in our own self. Um, so yeah, that's it. I think, <coughs> I think we did more of uh, like ex very good explanatory version of 
almost all the transits that are taking place except for the fact that we didn't talk about train and stuff but i think that's fine so <clears throat> and uh, other thing is that moon is making aspects with all the planets on a very <laughs> frequent note uh, whenever it moves from one sign to another but uh, i think that is something that i will discuss on my uh, daily astrological theme that i began to write during the uh, end of mars retrograde so, uh, so yeah mars retrograde so uh, mars retrograde has again like proven to be very beneficial to me and i'm not really fond of the fact that mars is not direct so <laughs> so yeah any any final thoughts fernando is there anything like <coughs> Uh, final thoughts about this. Uh, just remember, I mean, I, I go by the rule, uh, uh, planetary periods first and then transits. So uh, don't be ever, ever, ever be freaked out by transits. It's just one other part of astrology and you have to find confluence <clears throat> to do uh, the correct forecast. So, you know, this is just uh, a signal. It's just a part of a bigger picture. So don't be overly optimistic and don't be overly negative. Just try to understand what we're saying and learn and study hard so you can understand this wonderful language of astrology. So, yeah, the, the, another uh, very important thing that I'm trying to accomplish with this podcast is bringing forms of astrology together. So today we have uh, Hellenistic, Babylonian, uh, Indian, Vedic, Gemini and stuff. So last <laughs> does almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is so, the yes. beginning of the global uh, astrology. Yeah, I'm trying to, <laughs> we are all globalizing uh, in astrology. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, synthesis yes. is the way of the future. Synthesis. Yes. I mean, that's how it was in the past too. There was no no astrologer in the past was thinking, oh, I practice this form and you practice this form. You know, when I'm sh quite sure when Al Biruni went to India and made his exhaustive study and writings of Indian culture and history and, and even learned Sanskrit and stuff. I'm sure that he exchanged many wonderful ideas with the Indian astrologers he met and neither of them <laughs> were saying, Oh, well, but your system is different. It was like, no, this is just astrology. And in his book on astrology, he even says, here's how you do dignity. And then he says, and here's how, here's how the Indians like to do it. And he doesn't say which one he does. He doesn't say which one's better or anything like that. He just presents both. So, you know, the idea that uh, you, you can't use this technique with this system because it's from a different system. That's an illusion. Yeah. So I think, I think that's it for the forecast episode. And, uh, so, uh, so I think we should wrap it up by now that uh, we have yeah. almost covered everything. So uh, thank you so much. Um, one more thing. Last, uh, lastly, Moon is going to uh, go to Pisces. Uh, before we close, it is going to go to Pisces on the 25th when is the full moon. So my just last uh, the, uh, input is that, you know, that that is the time when there will be a lot of energy, though uh, moon will be the only planet which will be out of the Rahu Ketu uh, hemmed uh, planets. So that will be yeah. the only planet which will be out. So the energy would be uh, really strong. Uh, at least you guys will be emotionally very strong at that time i feel so that is something you know you should make the most of this full moon mm. so cool. we can we can wrap up i think okay and uh, yeah. I, I wanted to bring in election as well uh, with krasi here one of the most uh, 
like she is practicing electional astrology as well but i think we'll make it uh, as a separate show in terms of discussing about elections so we'll wrap it up and uh, we will get back hopefully for the next uh, like the libra season great well this okay. was really fun thanks yeah thank you so much yep thank you so much thank you Bye -bye.